You're listening to a Franciscan Voice podcast. Your voice for all things good. The following was inspired by a character of the Bible. The narrative created around this figure is fictional and is not intended to incur historical accuracy. Previously on Light Invisible. Luke wrote these stories so that all might come to know the accounts of Christ, what he taught, what he did, and what he is still doing to bring about a stillness in all of us that we might better prepare our hearts for the one who is to come. There was no word from Caius for three years. None of my attempts for correspondence seemed to reach him. All I could think about is how difficult it is to prepare for anything during such times of despair. Before I could go any further with this thought, a knock at my door broke the silence of my meditation. Hello, sir. My name is... I'm a soldier in the 12th Legion, and I knew your son, Caius. There's something I must tell you about him. I promise this won't be a waste of your time. I don't really know what I was feeling at that moment. Excitement that someone might finally unveil the mystery of what contributed to my son's unfortunate end or distress because I might not be able to stomach it. Struggling to get any words out of my mouth, I opened the door all the way, stepped aside and gestured the young soldier in to take a seat in the main room. When he entered, I closed the door behind me and rushed to the kitchen to prepare a small bit of sustenance for him. I may not be able to comprehend anything right now, with my mind racing faster than a swarm of locusts, but I can at least make a traveler feel welcomed. It has been a while since I had a visitor in the house, and I was raised to always treat guests as if they were a close friend you haven't had the privilege of meeting yet. There wasn't much I could put together for him, however. After living on your own for a while, you get used to stocking smaller portions of food. But I wanted to make sure he knew his visit was valued, after all. He was the only one who could tell me something about Caius. So I took out the last fresh loaf of emmer bread, along with some black currants that I always purchase from a foreign merchant. He grows them in a valley outside of Rome, where he says the sun shines the brightest and the soil couldn't be more pure. As I came into the main room with the tray of refreshments, I stopped to find the young soldier standing in the middle of the room, holding Caius's sword. He always kept it sharp, your son. He said he always wanted to be prepared, but for what? None of us knew. I gave him a slight smile, then placed the tray next to him on the wooden stand. We both sat in the room and allowed the silence to consume us for a moment. Only the sound of the fire, 
crackling in the main room made up for the words we weren't ready to exchange. I don't think either of us knew how to start this unexpected encounter. How well did you know Caius? I asked. He was like a brother to me. We had the second patrol in the markets every day for three years. When we weren't managing crowd control or business disputes, we would be taking inventory in the armory and supply rooms. Wherever I was assigned, Caius was assigned. He was right there with me. Except for your last assignment, I speculated. Yes, he said with great hesitation. So much of me wanted to end the conversation there. I was beginning to feel my heart sink as I drew closer to discovering what had happened to my boy. Instead, I leaned forward and said to him, Please continue. A week before we were supposed to return to Rome, we received word that a group of brutish invaders landed on the western shores of the market and were pillaging the towns nearby. The commander asked for ten soldiers to stand behind and fight off these vipers. I had heard stories of what these barbarians have done to innocent people. I couldn't find the courage to stay behind, but Caius... Caius didn't flinch. He stepped forward and offered his sword. After the ten soldiers were determined, Caius turned to me and handed me this. The young soldier then removed an item from his pocket, something I thought I would never see again. It was a necklace with the wooden carving of a lion I made for Caius the day he became of age to enlist as a soldier. I remember telling him it would help him find his courage whenever he felt he lost it. He asked me to deliver it to you if he... Well, if he didn't return, the young soldier said. While I don't know exactly what happened to him after he left, he looked over into the corner of the room. Seeing his armor resting on your table tells me he won't be coming back. No, I said. I imagine not. It seemed like a whole week went by during our few minutes of conversation. Though the story of what happened with my son is still incomplete, I wouldn't let it distract me from what I truly felt. Proud. Proud of a son who laid aside his fears when others couldn't, so that he might protect the lives of his people. There was so much to process, but I didn't want to get all worked up in front of my guest. Thank you for taking the time to share all of this with me. Please, I mustn't hold you up from being with your family. The soldier, realizing there was no more for him to say, stood up and bowed his head in respect. As he walked over and opened the door, he paused for a moment. Then he said to me, I remember them being his favorite. I'm sorry, I replied. The emmer bread and black currants. Caius was always stuffing his face with it. A good way to keep his memory alive. And with that, he took his leave. As I stood in the main room, left to myself once again, 
I noticed that I didn't feel so alone this time. I know the young soldier came here on his own accord. However, I couldn't help but feel I was being looked after, that this was all arranged by some greater force. He wasn't just a guest, but a messenger, bearing the message I was in need of. It then occurred to me that I read about a person in Luke's Gospel who was also visited by a great messenger. Mary, I believe her name was, the virgin who bore the Redeemer of the world. The angel Gabriel came to her with the news that she was to conceive and bear the Son of the Most High. No doubt these were difficult words for her to grasp, but she must have felt comfort in knowing that she was chosen by God. But more than that, it seemed that Mary also had the faith to believe this message was truly from God. As a man who has had to deal with many public disputes on morality and law, I know that discerning the source of truth comes from having the humility to listen. So I suppose, like Mary, we must learn to cooperate with God in the situation he presents us with. I wonder what Mary's situation was like before the angel came to her. Was she surrounded by violence in every street? Did she feel the weight of the world's demands pressing on her? Were there ever days when she felt alone? One thing is for sure, even as she did experience these hardships, there is no doubt that faith was her anchor. What was it like for her when the angel departed? Did the fear leave her? Was she at peace? I suspect she truly believed in the words presented to her by the angel, the Lord is with you. Maybe this is why I feel so looked after, because the Lord sent a messenger to remind me that I, too, am chosen and that he has always been at my side. If this is the case, then this is coming from a God who is actively loving us at every present moment. Now I am thinking of all the messengers I have had in my time, from friends, companions, or even strangers. Were they also from God? I am beginning to think that preparing our hearts might be a way to help us recognize these moments when God is trying to speak to us. It's funny how it takes occasions of great discouragement to make you cherish good news when it reaches you. Somehow it was already past midday and I have yet to eat anything. As I looked over at the empty tray I had offered to my guest, that had nothing but scattered breadcrumbs, I realized I was out of emmer bread and black currants. Like the young soldier said, it's a small way to keep the memory of Caius alive. So I decided to restock and head to the marketplace located in the center of Rome. At this hour, the market should be full of interested buyers or those who just need to be distracted for a bit. I grabbed my shawl, put on my son's necklace, and stepped outside to embrace a warmer day than yesterday.
What I've always loved about the first step you take in the marketplace are the hundred different smells of foreign spices being exchanged, rearranged, and distributed. Some spices are used for cooking, and others as incense to keep homes and worship spaces fragrant. It is busy, as it always is midday. In fact, it seems busier than normal. As I approach the older vendor in the marketplace, who sells emerald bread with black currants, I was displeased to see they were all sold out. Though it was the smallest of problems in my life right now, it was my simple way of keeping my son's memory alive at the dinner table. I decided to move on and take a walk instead through the back alley towards the synagogue. I've always loved listening to the preachers outside the synagogue. Like Luke, they are great storytellers and men of profound spiritual insight. Approaching this front of the synagogue, I stood and listened to the ancient prayers taking place inside. Just then, an elder of the synagogue, who was outside unloading a cart of produce, called out to me. You're a man walking with a heavy heart. I looked at him, confused, and thought to myself, who is in these days? We have a lot to talk about, my friend. Well, this day has been filled with divine interruption. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our website to discover other episodes at franciscanvoice.org.